0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Evolvepreneur After Hours show. I'm your host Michelle McDonald. My mission is to help entrepreneurs make a difference and navigate the messy world of startups or relaunch commonly called a pivot. Join me today where we dig deep with our guests and get you the best concepts and strategies to fast track your business. Today's topic is when passion meets reality with my special guest, Amit Tischler, an experienced creative director, writer, and product designer. He was born and raised in Tel Aviv and moved to Los Angeles to become an animator, game designer, director, and writer on shows, games, and XR LBE products for Cartoon Network, HBO, WWE Networks, Comedy Central, and Nickelodeon. This also includes working with other clients such as Starburns Industries, Empty Clip Studios, Stupid Buddy Studios, and more. Amit then ventured deeper into the world of software development, and in 2017, co-founded the investor-backed entertainment startup, Popbase until its acquisition by Pure Imagination Studios in 2021, where he now serves as a creative director. In addition, Amit is also working as the co-creator slash writer on four original graphic novel series with Humanoid and Mad Cave Studios. Amit, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Good to be here. (laughs)
0: Yes, we are excited to connect with you. So of course, we want you to take us into the world of software development and animation. What is it that inspired you to dive into it and create these amazing works?
1: Well, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) Let me think about where to start. I mean, I think it starts from the most cliche place, which is I was a fan of the medium right? I grew up as a huge geek. I was a big comic book fan, animation fan, obviously later on video game fan. Um, and it just, that's, I, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who, when I see something like that, that I know I have some capacity to either understand or be able to execute or be involved in to some degree, I get this weird, um, let's call it, There is this competence envy of just like, oh, I see what you did there. This is real. I want to do the same thing, right? And I guess that's where it comes from. You see something that really makes you passionate. You're like, oh, my God, this made me feel great. This inspired me. I couldn't stop talking about it with friends for months. I want to create something like that that creates that feeling for other people. So I guess that's where the drive came from. And then you get into specifics, like what what about it do you like more? Um, You start forming very detailed opinions that people don't really ask you about, but you tell them anyway of, you know, like why you really like a certain thing or Mm. why you absolutely can't stand it. Um, And I think that's the really big drive to create or to start a lot of these initiatives. Um, I think in the startup world, it comes from like I see a problem in the world and I have a solution in mind. Whereas this is in many ways less practical. It's more like I have engaged with something that I really love. Now I want to be able to do the same thing for other people.
0: Ah, okay, nice. I like the intention behind all of that. You know, it's not just a passion, as you stated, that you have, but it's more so how can I build on this? How can I you know, tweak this in a way that represents me, but it also shares the vision of the client, right? So they still see themselves through my work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's really when when you talk about client work, there is a fine line between how much, and it really depends on what position you're in, what industry you're in, what the product is, is um, how much of yourself you can actually put in. Because some some that's jobs true. are extremely, let's say, binary, The client wants a very specific thing, like in animation, when I I started as an animator, right? So in animation, you get very specific directions very often. Like there's actually a very limited space where you can put some of yourself in it. And honestly, unless you're in production or are aware who worked on it, you will really be able to tell the difference as a viewer, Uh, whereas as a writer, a lot of yourself can really be into uh, or be in a project. As a product designer, often you work with a client and say, listen, I, I understand your goals. Here is the best kind of product or the best kind of game or the best kind of tool that we, our team can design and craft for you for this purpose. And now you're actually selling your own vision as to that's based on the things that they want, if that makes sense. Um, and as an independent creator, that's a whole other ballpark because now you're not really dealing with clients anymore. If you're creating your own creative IP and just to define, because I think, you know, like for people who come from technology or more traditional businesses, the idea of intellectual property usually ties into, especially like I've, I've you know, ran a tech startup essentially. So that was I guess my first really deep dive into how the tech industry, views that term IP. Mm-hmm. So as a slight tangent, they usually see IP as a piece of code or a piece of software or anything like that, an algorithm. In, let's say, I'll use this as a general term, but like in Hollywood or an in entertainment industry as a whole, IP is more viewed like stories, characters, images, and ficti- mm-hmm. fictional worlds okay. that can then be expanded and adapted into other products over time, right? Like movies, like TV, like games, consumer products, comics, toys, you name it. Um, So when you generate a creative IP, you know, if you're Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, or you're creating your Spider-Man, you are putting a lot of yourself in this work because you are telling, you are thinking of, hey, what would other people find appealing? But in the most, for the most part, like I know that for me, when I write a story, when I write characters, I kind of write the kind of thing that I want to watch, as opposed mm-hmm. to thinking, "What do people want?" I don't care. <laughs> you want whatever you want. This is my story, and I'm gonna tell it because I'm assuming that if this, this is something that I really love and that I'm really passionate about, that there are other people out there that would feel the same. And that's a big leap to make but you have to have that let's say low level or high level narcissism to be able to even engage with that kind of medium that nobody comes and tells you like this is what you should do like this is your own piece so i feel like that's where the big difference is you have to have a little bit of arrogance in you in order to accomplish that
0: absolutely true and i totally get where you're coming from right we we need that we need that in society you know someone who steps out and they're like, you know, come into my world. This is my perspective. And they change the way that we view things, you know, and and they speak our language before we even knew that that was our language. So yeah, yeah,
1: no, that's absolutely true. And, you know, it's often people use entertainment as a vehicle, not just to tell stories, but often to educate or to criticize. um, As we see very, very often, I, I will fully confess, in fact, I take pride in that, that both me and I work very often, sometimes I work individually, and very often I work with a writing partner, Elliot Spurl, uh, who's a really talented artist that we work together in production. He's now working on the Bob's Burgers team um, for many years. And one of the, let's say, starting points of everything that we create or craft, uh, we kind of decided that we have to start with a certain statement. We have to have a theme or a st- statement, something really simple that you can say in one line. And everything in the story, and I mean everything, has to orbit or revolve around that statement. And that statement also has to be something that we feel strongly about. It mm-hmm. could be general. And then once you kind of once you always orbit around that topic or theme, it will inevitably, let's say, leak into everything that you do whether how you craft your characters um to how you build your world it will affect everything and you'll start seeing it as a writer and really harnessing the fact that you're going around this certain moral compass it's almost like a code of ethics right like the first book that we're releasing next year the entire theme around it is all about um again two words embracing change what does that mean right embracing change could mean a million things And then how we play it out from both a social perspective and a political perspective um, is very specific to how we see the world and where they see the world going. But all of that is really under a package that's fairly benign, right? This is something that we as authors use in order to guide us. But in practice, all the reader sees as a really fun little sci-fi comedy, right? They only kind of in retrospect get, oh, this is the kind of story you're telling. This is what you're trying to convey to me as an author. So that's something that I really love about this process and I think is fundamental to it. Because as you said, like it's something that drives you that you can then convey to other people. It is a platform for education and just for opinions. Honestly, it could just be an opinion.
0: Yeah, so, so true. And I really like how you mentioned entertainment, right? So animation and and entertainment can go hand in hand. They're both extremely fascinating from immersive game experiences, interactive shows, even innovative ways to educate on healthcare. How does this form of technology reframe the perspective on how we view businesses and even the world?
1: You know, I think in the end of the day, no matter what, When you think of technology, even even if you're in the venture capital space, you're trying to sell an, uh, a VC on a concept that you're trying to get funded or you're trying to sell it to a customer, you're telling a story, right? Whatever that story may be, you have to make it as compelling as possible. And, you know, again, in tech, it's very structured, like I'm going to tell you the problem, then I'm going to give you the solution, and then I'm going to appeal to both your reasoning, and your emotion in a variety of different ways. Uh, But in the end of the day, when people make decisions, and I I fully believe this, some people may argue on this point, I believe that all of us, we only make emotional decisions despite how logical we think we are. Mm -hmm. We build the logic around it after we've already kind of, we already knew that this is what we want. And this is true to everything. So if you think of, like, what drives your technology or how you sell it to a consumer or how you sell it to an investor, how you sell it to anyone, you're telling a story. And that is entertainment. Obviously, we see it in advertising, right? When you try to advertise a product, even if it's the most, let's say, dry, boring product you can think of, just like, oh, this is software for communication. This is software for project management. The advertisers are very good or very bad sometimes, but, you know, the good ones are always trying to build a story that's going to be appealing to you on a human level. Not because otherwise you could just look at a feature set and say, well, okay, it's got all of these wonderful features and it, you know, works with this really quick database and the UX is great. Nobody cares, right? In the end of the day, they tell you a story that you're like, I see myself in this. This appeals to me. This is fun. Now I want to buy it or now I want to try it. And I think that's where the two really intersect and the most effective entrepreneurs are also very good storytellers for the most part, right? Because they can sell the vision of what they want to do to their consumers, to their investors, and also to their own teams. Because if your own team is inspired by a certain venture or adventure that you're going on, they care more and then they put more of themselves in it. So. I feel like that's where both technology and entertainment definitely intersect a lot even if it's a very technical product that's supposed to be very boring on on its surface
0: yeah thank you for that i love that point you know the best entrepreneurs are good storytellers we don't even think about it but there's truly a high level of psychology behind all purchases you know um i think We've just gotten so used to seeing certain advertisements. And sometimes, you know, we just click and buy, just click and buy. We don't think about it. But as you stated, if if I don't connect to it, if I don't see myself actually using this or finding this entertaining, I'm not going to buy it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you feel like it appeals to you in a different way, right? Somebody just told me a good story that made sense to me beyond the feature set. Because, you know, sure, I can show you, like, this thing is better than the other thing. Here are the feature sets for both you're already bored, you're already not engaged. But if I'm telling you a story about like, hey, this is a person who, much like you, needed a thing, and voila, I have just given you that thing, and look at how it changed their life, right? And you go, ah, all right, yeah, I can see that. I kind of need the same thing for myself. Um, So sometimes it's something that's outsourced to people in marketing to do. But honestly, like, I think anybody who's trying to sell other people on a vision for any kind of product, no matter what it is, has to appeal to some of their humanity, right? Yeah. It's more than pragmatic, it's emotional.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Jam. That's really gonna give us a lot to think about. You know, when we think about our clients, when we approach our marketing, to be more humanistic in everything and, and think about, you know, what would we wanna see if we want to buy that? So that's, that's a lot to keep in mind
1: yeah i think i think that's true to everything right like what would make you um connect with a character is the same thing that would make you in the end uh buy a product Mm -hmm.
0: so so true so when passion meets reality Mm. sounds exciting (laughs) what is your connection or experience with this concept
1: Oh, so so this is the less romantic concept in, in my personal point of view, and this is where <laughs> I'm going to be a total hypocrite, and I'm going to say this is the logical mind versus the emotional one. And I think it's also a point where both entrepreneurs and a lot of artists who are very often their own form of entrepreneurs um, tend to either fail or be very blindsided um, about certain things. So There's a very romantic view about, um, hey, if I'm just full of passion and I have a great idea, which everybody has a lot of great ideas. But Mm -hmm. thinking that um, passion, good ideas, or even a strong work ethic are all that's required in order to gain success is such a fallacy. And that could be very discouraging, but it is an absolute fallacy. And I think anybody who's lived their life kind of realizing... Hey, you know, again, the obvious, but we don't live in a meritocracy, do we? (laughs) Like, This is not the way of the world. Anybody who hasn't had the easiest smooth sailing life is aware of it to some degree. Um, And I think the, I don't know if to call it nostalgia or just emotional drive, but that idea of if I just really try hard, eventually I'll find an audience Very often just like falls flat on its face because reality itself tells you that you're. if you're getting into any field, whether Mm -hmm. it's technology or entertainment of any kind, you need to understand the landscape prior. And you do have to have at the very least some kind of business savvy, right? You have to look at things differently because it's the same as selling everything else. If you don't build, and again, this comes from product design as well. When you're trying to sell anything to someone else, you have to think like the consumer. You have to put yourself in their shoes, Uh, which means, once again, it goes back to how do I behave as a human, right? Uh When I – you know, like YouTube is kind of a – let's use it in the most – in the dumbest way possible as an example but somebody thinks i'm gonna make the most beautiful youtube video ever and it's gonna be amazing and it's gonna be hilarious and i'm gonna put all this effort in it and because i put all this effort in it and all the flooded flooded with all of my love and craft people are just gonna love it and then they're staring at it for hours and then days and then months and it has maybe a hundred views meanwhile something absolutely crappy that somebody spent no time on will get millions and then they're You know, they'll sit down and go, why? Why is this happening to me? Is it just marketing fund? And the truth is a lot more complicated, right? The truth is that the system itself that in, in that particular case, the system of YouTube and how it operates does adhere to a certain set of rules and certain trends and things that people are looking for that sometimes they align with what you're doing and sometimes they don't. You can be right on point with a trend and still not get noticed because of other factors, right? Did somebody, you know, like a lot of people think like, oh, things just go viral. Things very rarely just go viral. They usually get elevated to that degree either by someone quite literally pushing them to the foreground. Uh, Either it happens abruptly and you just got really lucky and that's just winning the lottery or as democratic as people think the system is, no, YouTube makes its choices as well of what to highlight or not, because it's a business, mm-hmm. right? They don't just spotlight stuff because people like it. It's because they think that, you know, it's going to make them more money. So I feel like understanding what you're getting into and understanding who you're selling to and how mm-hmm. they behave is such a critical part of being even mildly successful at anything. Um because the i I often see this and i think we all have this impulse of going people need this so they're going to use it and that is another fallacy right people can need it but not understand that they need it or not understand that they want to use whatever this it is and a lot of it i feel also comes down to being honest with yourself like when you go to a store if you put something on a shelf and going, aha, people are going to see it. My packaging is beautiful and they're just going to buy it because it's delicious. And the packaging is beautiful. And you just see people walking by and ignoring it. And you're like, why? And you don't even think about the fact that you do this every day with similar products. And you've never asked yourself, why am I ignoring these things? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, uh, and and really this is about understanding your audience and how they behave. So, mm-hmm. I was talking at some at some event, I met somebody, I, I think it was from Hershey's, right? From the company Hershey's, so chocolates, we okay. all know them. Yeah. And one of the things that he told me was so obvious, but I never thought about it. But it's obvious and it rings true, where he said, no, we've realized years ago that Hershey's are always impulse buys. You don't Ooh. go into the store thinking, I'm going to buy Hershey's. That is not our average consumer. If you are that kind of person and you're out there, good for you. But that is not the majority of people. Super specific. Um, So the way that they strategize on where to put that product on a shelf or where to put it in the store, how to package it, what to place it next to, all of that is strategized around That understanding of this is an impulse buy. It's something you're going to buy last minute because, I don't know, you needed to give it as a gift because you just felt like a snack because you're missing chocolates at home because you need to cook or bake. or Like that understanding of how your customer behaves is absolutely critical. That is where I feel like passion and reality really collide. And people realize that pretty late in the game, And that's okay, But the question is, once you've realized it, have you you just went like, well, I have no chance in succeeding? Or have you taken that uh, and adopted it as part of your mantra or part of your process to go to stop and ask the question, when I am pitching something to someone, any Mm -hmm. product of any kind, um, am I telling the right story? Putting a product on a shelf in the right area of a store is telling a story. It is part of that product's journey. And it's part of your consumer's interaction with that product. Um, So I feel this goes into entrepreneurship. It goes into creative processes. um, And it's just, it's part of life. (laughs) It's part of us understanding ourselves and how we behave and then understanding other people as well
0: absolutely wow that is so so true and you know it's so interesting because if you think about it um one would always wonder like why are the chocolates near the cashier section you know yeah. and so it's like now it makes sense if i go through the aisle, i see i see all the healthy stuff right it kind of moves through the staples of what i would normally get right. chocolates, those are always there Just, <laughs> Just, just a little insulate. Just. Just
1: staring back at you. And also the type, right? Like, So they wouldn't put the packages with like six packs that you buy for a party. That wouldn't be there. It's the stuff that you can grab with one hand and just throw it into the basket last minute. <laughs> they know you. They just know you. So that's, you know what? Even as, as old-fashioned, I was always fascinated by this. This is a bit of a tangent, but... Um, all the like gossip columns and the little like trashy magazines that are still in like, you go through Ralph's if you live here in California and you're like, Oh, look at all the celebrity gossip trash that somebody apparently reads. But I always ask myself who looks at this? Who is the target audience? By the way, this is me being dumb and ignorant. I'm like, no, it's a huge target audience. There's a lot of people that do it, but I realized, Oh wow. How they advertise the thing, even the cheesy format, where they put it, the kind of very buzzy headlines, despite like it doesn't even matter whether they're true or not. It's that framing and knowing that if you don't buy this right now for, for their consumer, if you don't buy this right now, maybe you'll never get the answer. You don't have enough time to just take it and start reading because, oh my God, the cashier is right there, but it's so cheap. Fine, fine. I'm just going to toss it in and, have a good and feel talk. shame. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> going to do it and that's that's it. And then you live with the shame of doing it. So that's kind of fascinating and brilliant, but, As I was staring at it, I had to go through this, you know, little man. all these mental gymnastics, just trying to reverse engineer, huh, there's a logic here. This is not just, you know, it's not that simple. So I feel like for anybody who's doing any creative endeavor of any kind, that's like one of the first things you have to think about, Mm -hmm. right? Like, who's my target? And Target can be consumer. Target can also just be the person you're pitching to and knowing what they care about. Um, In TV, like the way that people have a very like rosy view as well of um, how, how it is to pitch a TV show right that's a very common narrative that we also see in tv right like oh somebody just walking through the room pitching a random idea and then the executive goes that is brilliant right like let's do it roll them up that never happens ever like just that's not a thing even if you're a mega celebrity you still go through a process Mm -hmm. but that scenario is so fictional (laughs) right it is so fictional um where the Understanding the actual process of how these things work is far less romantic. That's the reality part, Mm -hmm. but you still have to bring the same passion to it, but you have to be educated about how you deliver it. That's where, you know, passion meets reality, I think is an important theme. It's the idea of understanding I'm standing in front of an executive, for example, who might not be the final decision maker, right? Mm -hmm. They have bosses and not only do they have bosses, they have a mandate. Like a network often says, okay, development department that focuses on a very specific uh, demographic. We want you guys to look for a show that has all of these checkboxes on it. It sounds very bland, but that's kind of how it works, right? There are check boxes. We want these kinds of creators. We want these kinds of themes, these kinds of characters. Look for these kinds of things. And when you come in and you pitch, whatever you pitch with all the passion in the world, If you don't check a lot of these boxes, the executive essentially sits there and filters, right? And goes like, Mm -hmm. well, I won't be able to sell this to my higher-ups no matter how much I love it. And if you don't have a close relationship with them, they might also not just tell you that, right? If you have a close relationship, sometimes, you know, like the best opener is like, what are you guys looking for? And then you know, Um, but that's not always the case. But even being aware of the fact that they have these mandates, Mm -hmm. that it very often isn't that personal, like it is isn't. it isn't, Um, really gives you an advantage because now you're thinking about how to speak the other person's language and you're also showing them, I understand your world and I have empathy for it, right? I'm not just gonna, when you say no, I'm not just gonna go, oh, he's a, an idiot and he has no vision and you know he couldn't see my pure genius that i brought into this like no often it was just like no you were pitching this kind of show and they have five of them with much bigger celebrities and they can't compete and they won't have two of the same kind so he's forced to say no even though he likes you it doesn't matter so all of these things not as you know passion driven they're kind of boring and they require you to develop relationships and do some research and rely on different resources to kind of learn them. And most importantly, it takes time.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) so much
1: time. And you have to be willing to fail again and again and again. And with every failure, with every no, you get another piece of information. And if you're good enough, they will keep on inviting you. And there is nothing better than that. Just that open door policy that a lot of people don't have. So understanding all of that just takes time. And so often I've seen creators um, of any kind, whether it's just entrepreneurs or artists, who come in with the approach of, I have worked on this thing for the last 10 years. It is my perfect baby and it'll only be done the way I want it to be done. The when someone like, like it's already unicorn level when you manage to get something like that done like getting a show made, not a lot of shows get made and endless amounts get pitched every single day, right? From Uh people varying backgrounds and even people of different credentials, like big showrunners get rejected a lot as well. They're used to it. Um, But the idea that you will get things your way just because you've invested 10 years and you'll only, you'll probably never get to do it. Nobody's going to care. That is such a, you've lowered the already extremely low odds of ever getting it done because you're thinking it of something that you cannot compromise on. And you're thinking it as something that exists in a bubble that you'll just present it to someone. They will see the genius and the work and all of this. And because of that, they will just say yes. And the truth is, once again, unless it just so happens to check all of these boxes and you got oh so lucky, it's just never going to happen right yes
0: yeah so true and i appreciate you bringing that reality to it all because you know especially as creative you're extremely passionate about your vision and and what you want to share with the world and what you've been working on and as you mentioned the reality of it is that in presenting that you have to understand who is the audience the landscape of it all even the production company that you're going to and um, be realistic with your expectations but of course still be confident but just kind of understand the process and not taking it personally because a lot of times as entrepreneurs you know sometimes it just feels like you're just ripping the band-aid off and it's <laughs> so fresh you're so vulnerable and you're just like ah but the <laughs> truth of the matter is it's it's less about you and your passions and it's that key question you stated am i telling the right story yeah. Am I matching what they want? And that's just it.
1: Yeah. You know? And, you know, and there's, once again, if you want to go even deeper than that, there are other factors that we may not like, but being conscious of them also matters. Like, especially with entrepreneurship. Like, I I, I think entertainment has its own version of it. Um, I feel like in the tech world, only now people start talking about this more. But, you know, the venture capital is a... Uh, very privileged very small club with a whole bunch of nepotism entertainment has that as well but it doesn't like to let in new faces it doesn't like to let in new people um it is very much at some point i think i joked about it as to like it's a lot of rich people paying other rich people to be richer um but it, it doesn't mean that somebody can't come in from the outside and disrupt and change but not even being aware that that is a huge part of what you're getting into mm-hmm. it can be crushing. And yeah. it should be because it's terrible. But But that is the reality. And just being aware of that can also shift how you tell your story. Because you're aware that you are at a disadvantage if you come from the outside. And that you have to, like, they won't hold you to the same standards that, you know, they hold... I don't know, their second cousin who has a great idea, and he's just 19, but hey, he went to Harvard. You know, it's that's just the reality, right? Being aware of that is important because you might even, as an entrepreneur, put that into your story. Look, I've spent my whole life working in these kinds of, like, jobs, so I'm a skilled professional. I am not that kind of person, but that is my advantage. Again, that's all very, like, basic or cliche, but that's the truth of it. Like just yeah. learning the landscape will give you at the very least awareness and an advantage of how to navigate it, to know where your disadvantages are that you have to compensate for. Um And knowing that none of this is really fair. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> Again, absolutely.
1: reality versus passion, not a meritocracy, none of it is fair. You have to be smart, you have to be willing to fail a lot, and you have to be willing like you said to, to pivot and iterate constantly
0: yes yes absolutely that is an amazing point i thank you so much for all of the insightful information you have given us My and of course we have to know how can our audience connect with you and have their vision become your latest design project
1: mm. well um Complicated question. So you know, like I, I have my own website. That's the best play, place to follow a lot of my work. I've recently launched um, a newsletter um, that has gained more popularity than I thought it would pretty quickly. So I'm happy about that. It's called. Thank you. It's called Mind Splatter. If you go onto my website, it's the first thing that pops and tells you sign up to Mind Splatter. I share a lot of my thoughts, my even like media recommendations or a lot of my creative development process. Uh, right on there. So either my blog on my website or that you can kind of follow what I do and connect with me through whatever forms are available there. Um, I'm also on social media like LinkedIn. So connecting with me there should be fairly easy. Um, I kind of split my time between my uh, very awesome jobby job for Pure Imagination Studios, which, you know, they offer a lot of amazing services and I'm part of their team. So If that's the context, that's a great context to to approach me about as well or the company itself. Um, And on a personal level, anything that's related to authorship, my original IPs, again, my website and Mindsplatter are good places to kind of talk to me about that. Um, But I strongly believe in being open to conversations from uh, just people who other to take the time and reach out to you because honestly that is literally how i made my way into the industry by scouring linkedin and writing to random people like hey listen i just got into town and i don't know anyone what do i do and somebody actually responding to that and giving me my let's say first job lead that was huge so i kind of want to pass this along and i've hopefully been doing this relatively well um, in the last few years so that's that (laughs)
0: it's wow, beautiful i love that story of, of seeing it forward you know you you were open-minded open hearted as well to just you know feel free enough to, to to give that to someone that that experience it's so rare you, you really don't see that
1: often <laughs> after messaging so many people when i first moved to, i i moved from out of the country right so i'm just like no I, you're right yes it's it's pretty rare <laughs> But that's why I think it's important because I feel like if you do that for other people as well, they will feel inclined to do that for other people and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah. And it just creates this like this wonderful wonderful yeah. effect. I like that. We
1: need new blood. We need new blood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amit, thank you so much. I have appreciated your note to creatives, to remember to be humanistic in your approach. Know the landscape understand what you're getting into, your why, your audience, connecting with them and your clients, taking this all in and being honest with ourselves when it comes to when passion meets reality, understanding that it's all a process, not personal. And we have to connect with what we're doing, but more importantly, what we're walking into. You've truly opened our minds and reframed our perspective. Thank you for being a part of another awesome guest episode of the Evolve for Nora After Hours show. Before you go, if you like this episode, you'd be very grateful for a five-star review and consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at EvolveForNoraSecrets.show right now. Until next time, and if you are an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great idea today.